Welcome. To Arcade Audio. Welcome to this week's episode of Married with Movies. I'm one of your hosts, Samantha Mullet. See next to me on the couch is your other host, my beautiful husband, Chris Mullet. Wokeland, California. <laughs> just for... <laughs> you can't just do that. People don't understand what you're talking about. Shout out to and my fellow, uh, fellow tag team partner, Topata Banjo, and a tag team that I cannot say on the, uh, the air right now. Right now or ever? Uh, it's on air. It, we came up with our name while we were in the car to go to Top Golf with one another like four years ago. So it's on air. Go listen to Podswoggle, wrestling podcast with entertainment on the Arcade Audio network of shows. It's just on a. It's just on a regular episode. Oh yeah, that, that just, y'all y'all just give away all your best stuff for free. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Oh man. Because there's not that many people to pay for it. You're terrible <laughs> businessmen. Yeah, we went to the J.C. Carias School of making money. Shout out to J.C. Carreyes. I can't wait to one... He in that Disney movie. I can't wait, yeah, I know. I can't wait to one day, like, he's just in a movie that we are watching. We're just like, yeah, that fucking guy. Love that guy. Hey, we we know some people who've been in movies, or written movies, or done things with movies. <laughs> That's so not... Written things with movies is God, really nice. I, so. I am shocked that of all the people that we've encountered in our lives that have been, like, entertainers, Right? Like in the entertainment industry or business, that we don't have anybody that has done a porno. But that we know of. Or like nobody, that, yeah. Like. I feel like we would know though, between the amount of porn that's watched, like between. Wynn would have been able yeah. to tell us. <laughs> I didn't want to call him out. Oh, I he was... knows. That was on Patreon. <laughs> 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 when we, we finally discussed porn at nausea, I mean, we put that on, on behind a paywall. Because um, we don't want any of our names like associated. We don't have to Google like Michael Whitten porn or like Chris Mullet porn, and there'd be like a result easy. Uh, that's just not fun for anybody. Um, you never. Know, we're still in our mid thirties. So you never know. The the chick from Boy Meets World didn't get into porn until like her early forties. So there's plenty of time for for people to. What chick from Boy Meets World? You haven't heard this story? It was like a big news story a couple years ago. Which one from Boy Meets World? Uh, she was the later season. She was like. Like either Sean or Eric's girlfriend, the redhead. Oh, the redhead. Yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah, she's like a. She's like that a. Makes sense. She's like one of the biggest porn actresses like in the world right now, because she just like did like one tape, and they're like, oh yeah, she's like a D minus level celebrity. That's all you needed to be to be like the hottest thing in sure. porn. Um, we're a movie podcast. <laughs> what if one day? Because, like, I think, like, FY, well, not, like, the FY that we went to, now it's, like, mostly just, like, a, like a toy. Like yeah, a, like, like a, the legit for your entertainment yeah. when I worked there. Right. I used to work at FYE when I was in high yeah. school through college. Had, like, a had like a legitimate, like, like not a huge, but, like, a decent-sized, like, porn section, no, right? No, yeah, a huge porn section. Yeah. And we had to make sure that all of, like, 
the Playboy, like the Playboy, the Playboy bunny covers. covers were like yeah. over it. And we always had to do a sweep because it was in the back corner of the store. So we always would have to like sweep around and like make sure like all like the little middle school and high school kids weren't back there like yeah. jerking off in the corner looking at these porn, porno so, DVDs. So I'm going to buy a porn movie on DVD. Why? Because then we have to do it for the show. <laughs> then we're like, it goes in the box and whenever we draw That's it. It's going to be not funny. It's going to be really uncomfortable. No, but for fuck us it. To talk about. Fuck it. It's going to be hilarious. Or that needs to be like a bet. I don't know what like your side of it would be. We'll just have to watch like a gay porn. Like no. a men doing it. Well, then oh, why? Oh, why? Why? Why can't it be that point? You don't want to watch that, do you? Is that what you would enjoy watching? Is the question, would I enjoy watching it or would I enjoy having to make you watch it? Because there's two different answers. It's very fair. <laughs> very fair. This is going to be the first episode your mother listens to. Yeah, we're uh, getting way off topic here. <laughs> Thanks so much. If you're new here, we normally aren't this disgusting or weird no, at the beginning of the show. My mom's not a Wes Anderson fan, so no. I don't think she'd listen to this episode. Uh, we normally talk about our lives, and uh, then we talk about the random movie we watch from our massive movie collection. It is January 24th, 2022. And we just got done with a, a pretty fun-filled weekend. Uh, had a lot going on. Over the, basically three out of the past four days, we had something going on. We went to our friend and future guest of the show, uh, uh, Genesis House, with uh, her boyfriend, Jonathan. They'll be on the show sometime in this uh, upcoming year. Uh, in our second season of our guest star series. Yep. Then Saturday, we... What did we do Saturday? Saturday we went to our friends and former guests of the show, Steve and Laura Real, their house, and played a lot of games. Um, Sunday we went and uh, spent the day with my mother and experienced the worst flea market of all time. Not a future guest of the show. My mother? Yeah, maybe season three. Uh, we can watch those movies that she has underneath her entertainment center that she can't see because they're just stacked on top of one another, behind one another. But they are still alphabetized. But can I ask you how many times your mom has watched those? Because... Oh, I, like, I think she, like, like a few months ago, she's like, oh, I, I wanted to watch a movie, so I put a movie in. Right, right, right. But, but uh, it's not so much that. It, it's the choices that, so we have, like, over 2,000 movies. Would you Easy. see that's fair? Yes, yes. Cool. And it's very eclectic, because you and I have very different tastes. We have some similar mm-hmm. tastes, but I, like, grew up as a teenage girl in the 90s and everything, mm-hmm. you know, so, and you like terrible movies, but, like, I don't know. There's just movies that I didn't think your mom would be into. Like, I saw there was, like, a Cop Out was yeah, there. Yeah, I, I noticed Cop Out, too, like, and I was like... There, there are just some outliers there that I I just She has all the Fifty Shades movies, which yeah, I was like... Yeah, all the Fifty Shades movies. Did she go see that with your dad? I, my dad, I think, wanted to see it, because he knew it was, like, about sex, and my dad was, like, a sex pervert. <laughs> Oh my god! Rest in peace, Dad. Love you. <laughs> that was true. Uh, he was just like an old man. That's what happened. Thank God I have to sit in between them for that. Uh, so oh, anyway, man. I like I don't want anything to happen to your mom, but I can't wait to inherit her movie collection I, and then we have to watch those. Literally movies. thought about it when I was looking at what that the today. fuck are we like, gonna do with like, the oh my Shades god. Movie. I don't want to no I, there was like there was one movie the fuck, Hallmark movie no there was another one in there I saw I was like fuck I'm gonna have I'm gonna have to keep this and what the it was like a little black book like the Britney Murphy romantic comedy oh my god 2004 maybe I don't know just just throwing something out there 
And it's just like, great. I'm going to fucking watch that when I'm... Yeah, so that was just... Awesome. So we're a movie podcast. Yeah. And, and we're I... married. And we actually love each other very much, even though listening to this, you wouldn't really know that that's the case. Because well, we hate each other's guts. Of course. As well. Um, we also, uh, we love each other so much that uh, one of us allowed one the other to, after <laughs> uh... work... Uh, go. Yes, allowed. No, you're a grown-ass man. But, you know, like, our, our time together is valuable. Oh, and is it? We were so supposed nice. We were supposed to, to go see it together. See it together uh, on my birthday last week when um, our daughter's school was... Open and we were off of work because it was a federal holiday and, and we were in beforehand. I don't know if we tackled this last week or not. We may but have. We, they uh, closed. I stayed home. Chris went to the movie. Well, no, no, no. To- totally different thing. It wasn't on that day. Oh, yeah. We did other things as a family. Right, and then you went to the movie I on Friday. I went to the Friday. movie on Friday because, A, I had a free ticket from going to see House of Gucci with my mom. And B, this movie has been out for a little while in theaters. We, we have it for our movie league. I wanted to get the points for it. And we were worried it was going to disappear. I was worried I wasn't getting a chance to see it because it was, of all the Oscar movies, kind of out the one I wanted to see the most. Uh, I just went to go see Licorice Pizza. Uh, this past Friday. And? Uh, I loved it. Uh, it was thus far my favorite Oscar season movie. Really? That I've seen thus far. Yep. Which is a pretty narrow list right now. I think I've thoroughly white, white, thoroughly liked three of those movies. Yeah, I'm so glad that you've made me sit through all the ones that are I at the not, bottom of your list. I do not think you would like Licorice Pizza necessarily. Oh, um it was Great. a very interesting experience. Get some experience. better fucking movies in the Oscar race, shout please. Out, shout out to the CMX Plaza Cinema Cafe 12 downtown Orlando. Very shout beautiful, awesome. Shout out to the awesome, Oscar people not making good movies. Awesome theater. Uh, I was in that theater with five other people. Hmm. No, four other people. Uh, one guy who was very much like me, just like a dude in his 30s that just likes movies. An older couple who the, the wife kept getting up. Uh, you just chit chat with all these people. I didn't like talk to them. You I could just, just observe. Well, because and... me and this guy were laughing at all the beats you were supposed to laugh at, and you know, we very much got the movie. Mm. Uh, an older couple who the wife got up like three or four times to go to the bathroom and get more popcorn, and she missed like half the fucking movie. And then I think like an employee who just sat in on the entire two hour movie. Um, so it was an interesting small little group of people watching this, and yeah, I, I loved it. Um, thought it was a wonderful coming of age story. Uh, that you can interpret as being about many different things. Um, I'm trying to not say too much because I'm going to probably discuss it heavily uh, in a few weeks on the Blank Slate podcast with Rich and Tony as we go over the uh, the Oscar slate once it's announced. And by the time people are hearing this, about a week and a half's time, which I'm so excited to just get the nominations out so I know what I need to fucking finish to watch. I swear, if you made me sit through some of these movies and they're not even on the list, I'm gonna be uh, so mad. Yeah, it, at it's you. it's a typical Paul Thomas Anderson movie. It's odd in so many parts, uh, very nuanced, but yeah, I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. Thought it was heartfelt. Um, can't recommend it now. Bradley Cooper it does a tour de force as John Peters. If you know anything about John Peters, he crushed it in like six minutes of screen time. I'm normally adverse to people getting nominated for like best supporting actor uh, for that awards little. for that little, but fuck it, he's great. He's better than he was better to me than the front runner for that award right now, Cody Smith McPhee in Power of the Dog, which I will hold my thoughts back on again until that podcast. But yeah, check out Liquor's Pizza. It was a uh, a good, great. I would argue so. Good. Um, 
just as I would argue, the movie that we're, wa- we're going to be discussing today is a great film. It is one of my favorites. It was the very, very first movie in this podcast history that was nominated, that was not picked. All the way back, let me go back to the very, very beginning of the box here, when we started the nomination pod- process. So we've done the podcast now for, it'll, this will be our eighth year we've done the podcast. And we were just doing random Man. movies we nominated out of, the, out of the box. Time flies when you're having fun, huh? And uh, we decided to switch it up a little bit because... There were times where, like, you just draw something and, like, you're just not in the mood for it or it was too long, whatever the schedule was. So we had another little thing going, which was nominating movies back and forth. And now that list is too big, which is why we're doing this pick em off series. Um, so I nominated this against 12 Angry Men back on December, uh, sorry, October 28th, 2014. So quite That's a- how long ago I watched 12 Angry Men? Yeah, we watched 12 Angry oh. Men like seven years ago, over seven years ago. Uh, so now here we are, finally watching the the Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou. Samantha, you read the box. I don't want to. Too bad. The Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou. You have to give me some leeway with my lisp because I have a very light lisp. What? Look, that's terrible though. Like you can't see that font on there. So like I can't. So can I read? I can I read this without any penalty? Yeah, okay, because that, it's you. like white and yellow font on a light yeah, blue background. A, it's very design. hard to read. Uh, the Criterion Collection, a continuing series of important classic and contemporary films, presents. Okay, thank you. Perfect. The Life Aquatic. The Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou. Yeah, that's poor design mm-hmm. there. Internationally famous oceanographer Steve Zizou, Bill Murray, and his crew, Team Zizou, set sail on an expedition to hunt down the mysterious, elusive, possibly non-existent jaguar shark that killed Zizou's partner during the documentary filming of their latest adventure. They are joined on their voyage by a young airline co-pilot, Owen Wilson, a pregnant journalist, Kate Blanchett, and Zizou's estranged wife, Angelica Houston. Wes Anderson has assembled an all-star cast that also includes Willem Dafoe, Jeff Goldblum, Michael Gambon, Noah Taylor, Sue George, and Bud Court for this wildly original adventure comedy. Yes! Still up to, baby, in our reading challenge. Hooray. Um... I think that I've never seen this book. I think when we watched this... I, I could have swore. I sl- yeah, no, I think we did watch it, but I slept through it. You're such a jerk. I, d- I legitimately do, and I think I oftentimes... Because this and Lost in Translation came out right around the same time. With both uh, they of came them. out about a year apart. Right, yeah. with this, Bill Murray. Lost in Translation came out in the fall of 2003. This came out and I Christmas time I vehemently dislike... Lost in Translation. I think I always just associate them together. Um, but I don't think I've ever fully seen this movie until we watched it. Saw this in theaters. Yesterday. Uh, I want to say, uh, go back to either our ticket Patreon exclusive or our movie ranking Patreon exclusive, patreon.com slash arcade audio, uh, where I just recently discussed with Tony Colt, our movie uh, watching habits. I saw this movie, I believe, like New Year's Eve 2004, sometime over the my senior year Christmas break uh, with my best friend at the time, Keaton McTavin. 
Um, still one of my best friends, uh, because I dragged him to go see Lost in Translation, which he also did not like, because, oh. because also, like, we were 16 years old, and, like, neither of us, like, really got it at the time, but I still liked it because I was getting into award movies, and I recognized Bill Murray as being a comedy icon and comedy legend, getting into more serious films, uh, so this was kind of like the follow up to that. And I recognize the name Wes Anderson because of Rushmore getting recognition and also the Royal Tenenbaums, which I've still never seen, um, mm. as being like, oh man, like uh, this is going to be like the next big, like comedy movie. And it was not a notorious flop, but a definitely underperformance. Wes Anderson's biggest, largest budget movie about over like 50 million. You can tell based on the amazing sets and production design yeah, as he's visuals, known, but on, he's... but on a scope larger. Yeah. Than like the... an exotic scope. Like when you're in the yeah. ocean and you're in these different locations, you know, you have um, to. And it's, I think one of his most, cr- not, it's not pan, but it's definitely a mixed critical response initially. And over time it has grown into a, a cult classic. And one of the more, you know, popular, well-regarded movies of his biography. I loved it immediately. I don't know what it was. And this is the movie that I would say I attributed to me thinking I was a Wes Anderson fan. Um, And I don't know what that says because I love this movie, but we watched Grand Budapest Hotel a couple years ago, which I believe is his most critically loved movie in terms of both actual reviews and accolades and we were not fans of it. I, I did not like it very much at all. Um, so I don't know. I've never proclaimed to be a Wes Anderson no. fan. Oh, we talked about it on the Rushmore episode and I was surprised that I liked Rushmore as much as I did. And so, my, so my first note kind of leads me to believe I think I figured it out with Wes Anderson. A lot of it for me hinges on Bill Murray because... It, he's him himself is always right in my wheelhouse. And I feel like when he's interpreting or he's given Wes Anderson stuff, number one, you always have to figure that Bill Murray is probably also improvising and interpreting things in his own way. It, it's the right amount of quirky. It's the right amount of odd, but you also have more of a outwardly comedic atmosphere than something a little bit more introspective and, and what's the phrase I'm looking for? Not esoteric, but like Wes Anderson movies are less artsy. Let's put it that way. They're okay. more artsy in their sensibilities. So I naturally, and not that this isn't odd, I mean, for crying out loud, you have Sue George. His only purpose in the movie is just to sing David Bowie movies in Portuguese. David Bowie songs in Portuguese. Uh, so I said David Bowie. You said movies. Oh, David Bowie uh, songs in Portuguese. Sorry. Um, and I and with this, I just get it. I I I I no really other way to explain it. The quirky and the odd of it is just laugh out loud funny while still tackling things like grief and age and family and celebrity like it it just clicks with me and it's always clicked with me from the very very first mm-hmm. viewing I remember sitting in that theater with Keaton and just laughing my 
ass off at some of these lines in some of these situations. You still did. I still, you I, like, still laughed still, out loud at a lot of it. The do- Those fucking dolphins will never not be funny with me. Fucking uh, the three-legged dog will never not be funny with me. Uh, <laughs> a deadpan, your cat's dead. And what kind of cat is it? And <laughs> say, who gives a shit? Will never not be funny to me. Like There's just some things that just I fucking laugh at. Um, yeah, I still think it's fucking funny, uh, and I, I think it's a, a beautiful and wonderful film in, in so many different regards. Now, this, you do believe, I, I think this is my first time seeing this movie. I swear, early on in our relationship, I feel like I forced you to watch this, and like you said, if you did, you no, probably fell asleep. No, 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 I definitely asleep. fell asleep. Um, I, definitely I, I made sure to look over th- throughout the film, and no, you I did stay awake. awake the entire time. I did. What did you think? I... I know that Wes Anderson and Owen Wilson are like bros. He was uh, Wes Anderson. And I know that they're almost, bros. I believe, helped write, or and was in the first. Yeah, Wes like they, movie, they, they, they're bros. Yeah. They're, mm-hmm. they're yes. And as Owen Wilson became more popular as an actor, for whatever reason, Wes Anderson had to, you know, go it alone. Or... Are we about to get some Owen Wilson slander here? We're about to get some. I'm not sure who does impressions better, you or Owen Wilson. Conversation here. Who was he doing an impression of? Uh, somebody from Kentucky. That's who he was trying to do an impression of. Look, this is your first note and takeaway when I ask you if you like the movie. Was awful, but other than like his accent kept taking me out of it. But other than that, I did enjoy it. I thought it was great storytelling, beautiful visuals. The cast is stunning. The music choices were great. Um... But Owen Wilson, man, that accent. I love Owen Wilson. This movie. I think he's I think he's funny and endearing in this movie. I'm not. Talking I never about I never once have heard content. his accent in this movie and had a problem with it ever. Have you ever heard anybody from Kentucky? Yes, of course I have. How do they sound? Not like it's Owen in the ballpark of that. It's not like eating a bitch out and getting a bitch a foot massage. They're at least Owen Wilson in Kentucky is at least in the same ballpark. I don't know. Maybe I just didn't. I felt like I was, think it, I could be totally wrong. Somebody tweet like me, there. email us, tell me if I'm wrong. If you're from fucking Kentucky, I felt like it was like there just to be there and give his character a nuance. Or oh sure, something. Uh, like, of course, I don't he could have was necessary. Yeah, he could have. He could have spoken in his regular fucking accent and worked for Air Massachusetts. I don't fucking yeah. know where Owen Wilson's from, but. Watch him be from Kentucky, and I'm just, like, the worst person ever. <laughs> Looking it up right now. I'll beat you to it. Hold on. Owen Wilson is from uh, Dallas, Texas. He's Texas. He's I don't Texas know if that's even worse. But he could have easily been, like, Air Dallas, or, you know what right. I mean? Like he could have been sure. from, like, a small, like, Lubbock. Like, he could have been from, like, a smaller city in Texas, if he was supposed to be, like, that small town feel. Yeah. But... Yeah, I just didn't like that accent. It kept taking me out of it. But I do think, aside from that, I think it was <laughs> very enjoyable. Good. Um, for the most part, there are some things I'm like, is this necessary? But I I, agree. I get it in the in the bizarro world that this is built in. I, I guess. So I don't. I honestly don't think it's in that bizarro of a world that people think that it is or like what Wes Anderson is on. I think that the world that it, that it occurs in 
has some idiosyncrasies that exist outside of the normal world. Mm-hmm. Like, this is taking place in modern times, right? Like, I don't think this... I think so. Like, I don't, I don't see how this would take place in any other, like, era. Um, so I don't know, like, in... Where is the movie happening? France, I want to say? Well, it's filmed in Italy. Italy, sorry, sorry. Well, no, it was filmed in Italy, but, yeah, but it's I, supposed but I think, to be... I think, I think they're speaking Italian in the first, in the first like, Q&A. Um, so I don't know, like, what theaters are having these, like, big oceanographer documentary premieres. And what, I think that like, they happen probably pretty often, and we're just not, we're just too uncouth are, to attend. Are they? Like, are, is there a big, like... Uh, we worked at the movie theater when we would have the Met Opera but that's different. That's uncultured people from fucking towns like Gainesville being like, oh, we're going to go to the opera. Uh-huh. Let me get my goobers and my buttered popcorn and pay my $20 to go yeah. see the opera in Gainesville. Right. It's different. But what do you think people in, like, actual cities do? Like, I'm sure that's a thing. I don't know. Like, um, I bet the Hippodrome I, had stuff like that. I would say maybe, like, back in the day, because this is very much in the, the, the credits give an homage to Jacques, Jacques Cousteau, who is blatantly the, who Steve Zizou is supposed to be, like, patterned and, and against. Probably actually more so Esteban, the, the character that Steve Zizou is partnered with and avenges, who's killed by the jaguar shark. Um, but that was definitely stuff that, it was, like, more so, like, the 50s, 60s, 70s, I don't know, the specific Jacques Cousteau era. Um... But, like, modernly, like, sure, you get, like, these nature documentaries, like, National Geographic does, or, like, Disney puts on. Um, or even, like, if Werner Herzog just gets bored and wants to fucking make his weird-ass shit. Uh, but I don't think they're, like, big fucking deals. Uh, I'm sure there's a niche market for it, but not, like, not like what this kind of is explained to be. Um, but I don't honestly think it's that weird or... Quirky. Are there are little things that are incredibly unnecessary? Like I don't see like the script supervisor has to be topless the whole time, essentially, or why, um, or as stunning as they are, you know, every little sea creature or animal is this stop motion animated like little creature or yeah, being. Yeah. I mean that that's probably done because it was more practical than them. Finding, finding, actual, or or, yeah. or using CGI, like that's more in the Anderson style. I, yeah, I think that it was more endearing, especially with the little like seahorse. Oh, I love it! I think stuff. it's great. I think, I think that made it a little more endearing, and I feel like it was a little bit more. It was closer to being authentic. Well, it's definitely authentic to him because he would then later go on to do both Fantastic Mr. Fox and Isle of Dogs, which are both highly regarded movies that we will mm-hmm. do one day on the podcast because we have both of them. I've never seen either one of them, but they're supposed to be great. Um, m- my bigger gripe with the movie is less like some of the oddness that goes around it because the oddness to me is funny and endearing. It's more so some story stuff and how uh, it's structured. Like there's a lot of times where we kind of abruptly go back to this father son relationship and it kind of just feels out of place 
what it's following up or what it's setting up. Yeah. And I prefer seeing it kind of in the moment when, you know, Ned's making these suggestions or these recommendations and Steve's taking to them or not taking to them or if 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 we got them from there but it would literally just be like we got we got a scene and then they're out on the boat together and it's just like you didn't ever ask about me or or they go into the letter and stuff all that stuff is good i just feel like it's choppy um just like when those happen then they're also interspersed with this love triangle if you want to call it that between the between Kate Blanchett's character and Ned and Steve. And it, it like they're constantly jostling for position and even the scenes with Ned and um, what's her name? Jacqueline. What's the reporter's name? I'm losing it off the top of my head. I can't figure it out. Oh, um, Cuddy. Cuddy. Cubby. <laughs> What? That is not the journalist's he name. He calls her Cubby. Jane Winslet Richardson. Yeah, yeah, Cuddy, yeah. Cubby, no, didn't... Isn't that what um, Bill Murray's character called her? Cubby? He called her something else <laughs> that I won't repeat. <laughs> no, not a... Not a... <laughs> Don't say it. <laughs> I know, I stopped myself. Not that. No, I thought it, to her face he would call her Cubby, I thought. Maybe I, I I don't re- recall that off the top of my head, but um, I don't know. Like those just didn't work for me because also like it starts very adversarial with Steve and her because she's asking him all these hard questions in the initial interview and he's very standoffish to it, but he's already established that he's interested in her from the moment he sees her with um with Klaus with Klaus, and then he tries to be a little bit more genial and and cordial to her, but she's already interested in Ned. And then you have this, this waning unnecessary conflict between the two of them when he feels betrayed by him because he's like sleeping with her or like, you know, together with her. I don't know. It just, to me, the movie soars when it's about it's the same thing I, I make the, the the reference all the time with Mad Men. As as interesting and as good as the scenes are with the family and the background of these characters' lives, I prefer the action taking place in in their work, in the accounts, in the office. And that's the same way I feel yeah. about about this movie is when they're you know, in the mission, even even like the pirate stuff, like it, it's still about them on the boat and their struggles to like succeed and, you know, prove that they still have it. That stuff's more interesting to me than I guess probably what the actual overarching backdroppings of a theme of the movie are actually about. Mm-hmm. Um, that That's my, that's my, and also, like I said, it escalates very quickly. The movie's two hours and I feel like that stuff ramps up very quickly, yeah. and then it tails off for a little bit, and then they have to push into overdrive for the conflict, and then everything's got to kind of be hunky-dory before the big emotional death happens, which hits hard. I, I've always liked the end of the movie. I feel like the last... I feel like from the rescue of the, the Stooge... From that scene of them getting to the island and 
rescuing Alistair and rescuing the the Stooge, mm-hmm. and then Ned's demise in the the crash through them finding the jaguar shark. It's just a a perfect like 20 25 minutes. Yeah. To to me. I I love that entire stretch cuz also the jaguar shark scene is probably my favorite scene in the movie it's because beautiful. it's it's really emotional because it it's is. a validation of everything he's been working for um but it's also a validation of what he's He's gone through, even though the Jaguar shirt looks fucking hokey and ridiculous. <laughs> it, I think it looks beautiful. And I think their awe at it is beautiful. Yes. Goldblum's great. Where, like, if somebody, I forget who asked, who's like, is that it? And he goes, yeah, that's, that's it. Like, like it's like, like uh, what, what else could it? that be? Right. And exactly. Murray's kind of like breakdown on it and everyone like coming by a sign mixed with that music. Oh, I fucking, I absolutely fucking yeah, love it. Yeah, I think it. that's really, really And it comes good. after how hard that crash hits because that crash comes out of nowhere. They early establish that, you know, they don't regularly upkeep that helicopter. As a very throwaway. anything is going to happen. Well, also, nothing happens in that moment. Well, also because his character is set up to be a pilot, so you also would expect... Him to After possibly that, right. handle, handle and be okay mm-hmm. with it. And then you see, like, Steve survive, so you don't think anything of it. And then you you lose him. Um, also, right after the reveal that there's no way that he's his actual son. Because Steve Zuzu shoots blanks. He, he, he can't have children. Right. Um, but sometimes family is what you choose. And I think they did a really good job telling that story yes. in this movie. As well, especially with um, Willem Dafoe's character with Klaus. Mm-hmm. And, like... His reactions and, like, his extreme reactions to situations. And I think, you know, some people are like, oh, my God, like, he's, like, just crazy. But I think it's very purposeful in how big he gets Mm -hmm. in these situations where you're like, why is he reacting like that? But it's just to demonstrate. Yeah, it feels like he could be petty at some point, but it's it's not. protectiveness. Yeah, yeah. It's that protectiveness. He wants to shield his family. This is all he has. And and I think that that comes across really well if you're paying attention. Um, And I think that's the key to this movie is there's a lot of extremes. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. No, I have some water. No, I wasn't giving you. Oh. I had the drink. I was like, if you're gonna fucking choke to death, I'm gonna make sure I'm okay then. Oh, you're gonna you're gonna make sure you're not. Make parched? sure make sure I when you're sitting here coughing to death, I can still talk. That's so rude. <laughs> <laughs> I, I made myself do a spit because I was imagining you sitting here dead and me just still doing the podcast. You still just doing the podcast and drinking your water. Just like, so anyway, my MVP of the movie is, and then you're just like, like well, I don't have any objections. All right, there we go. <laughs> um, but I think a lot of the decisions of how the characters react to situations are very purposeful, and I think that they do portray really well all of the different things um, because, like, this is telling a story of, like, familial love. Yes. Like, between like even um, Steve and Esteban, like that mm-hmm. was like that was his best friend. That was his like. We even has this. He also has partner. this. Yeah. Um, what's the phrase I'm looking for? This uh, this uh, idolization of Lord Mandrake as well, who was like his predecessor. Mm-hmm. You know, so him trying to aspire to that level, mm-hmm. plus him trying to aspire. To meet his partner, who he felt like was his better half, 
him struggling with people who they say is his better half being his wife. Him struggling right. against uh, his wife's ex-husband who everyone is thinks is Bonnie more popular and better right than him. Like, it's about Caesar's dude like, trying to get a fucking win. And he sees his opportunity in this... this quest. This, well, this quest, but also this man who's looking for a father figure and him, you know, taking to him... And thinking that this could be what he gets. And he gets it, but it's unfortunately at a cost. Yeah. Um, exactly. Uh, so, yeah. So, I already talked about kind of my favorite parts and least favorite parts of the movie. Um, like I said, the pirate scene is great. <laughs> One thing I will say is that Wes Anderson cannot direct, like, action scenes or, like, Gunfights, like uh, the gunfights in this movie, are absolutely absurd. Uh, absurd, but I, I Steve don't know Zizou if goes meant up against like ten to fifteen like, pirates, a shot. and survives every single one of them easily. Um, it's a shock that Jeff Goldblum's character gets shot at point blank range and still gets fucking hit, and of course he still fucking survives. Of course. Um, the music in this movie is so fucking crucial and vital to it. You have a beautiful mix of actual songs, both by David Bowie and by others. Mm -hmm. You have Sue George and his interpretation of the David Bowie songs that are both heartfelt and funny and random, right down to like the credits. But there's nothing funnier to me than him singing, I, I don't think he's singing Life on Mars there. Or maybe he is when the pirates like board the boat. He's just like you see the boat coming up. He's still singing. The ladder is like right next to him on the boat, and he's just still singing. Uh, I remember laughing very hard the first time I saw that. I still I still laugh at it. Um, obviously, production design and sets and theming. Like when they're just going through the Belafonte, um, and showing like all the different rooms, and then you get to live and see those rooms kind of each one of them more intimately beyond the expositional setup of each one of them. Mm -hmm. You can say whatever you want about Wes Anderson. You're always going to get an incredibly unique and, and gorgeous to a T set and world and this one is i think of the ones that i've seen the absolute best in my opinion i mean sure grand Budapest hotel looks amazing but i this still feels more authentic and it also feels it's just more fun because they they have more fun with it um what else are you I really liked the leech scene. I think that there were some really good, like, scenes that, like, the leech scene where, like, they're all padding through the water and everyone comes out and he's like, leeches, leeches, was just on him. I thought that was really funny and just, like, everybody just, like, turning to look and they're so, just like... I, I think what? it goes without saying that Bill Murray's the MVP I don't of think you could have done this movie without Bill Murray. I honestly don't think. I think he just does a really good job of having that, like, weight on him of... His best friend died. His wife is estranged. All of those things that you mentioned before, I think you can feel it. Absolutely. Um, 
From just how he, his demeanor. And then he's still. He's still. Absolutely hysterical in this. Mm -hmm. From just, like I already mentioned the two before of just son of a bitch dolphins. And cussing about the cat. And then like, he's great at just a quick aside of like, being thrown in the situation and like when they're having the uh, the memorial service for the dead pirate mm-hmm. and uh, Jeff Goldblum's ship like finds him and they're like talking about like what are you gonna just throw him on the other side <laughs> like the same thing with the leash scene like yeah. he's good at like Bill Murray comedy in this world still works from the rescue on which basically starts with that leech scene he is just on a totally different level to me, of anybody else. And like you said, there's not a single person that could make this movie work as well as they do as Bill Murray. He gives it his fucking all in this movie. And I absolutely love it. So yeah, he's 100% the MVP. Uh, That will make Bill Murray's fifth MVP on the podcast. Wow. Uh, He is now in a three-way tie for the most MVPs in this podcast history, along with Tom Hanks and Hugh Jackman. Let me see if I can remember his other four MVPs. Lost in Translation is definitely one. Um, Kingpin, I think, would be another one. What else have we done? Hang on, I'll pull up the... Let me see if I can go through the uh, little cards here and find them. Rushmore, the other Wes Anderson movie we've done. Uh, Obviously, he's not the MVP of uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. I believe he's in it, but not a lot. Um, Don't so remember him Rushmore, Kingpin, uh, Lost in Translation, and what else? What else have we seen of Bill Murray? Hmm. I don't know. I'm going through the, the years. I'm not. Oh, I was looking at the wrong one. Do you have a way to search it? I'd have to filter them, and I don't. I can. Hang on. Get out. Filter. I'm going to try to find it before you can. Oh, shut up. I could just search on my, all my things. Hang on. Can I search on here? Search in sheets. Bill Murray. Or should look for Murray. I have to look for both names. Because I need to. I don't have it. Hang on. <laughs> you suck. All this. And you don't have it. I'm digging through like 400 Why cards. Why don't I have it in any of my sheets? And I'll be able to find it first. I know I have it on my computer. Hmm. The problem with not being digital, man. Well, I guess not because you have a fucking digital and you're still. It's because I'm on my phone. Because I'm not on my computer, and I only have 2018 on. So if we watch them before 2018, I don't have it. Uh, we probably did. Right. So I only started this in 2018. So I asked you to make digital copies of the cards for me, and you didn't. So it's actually your fault. I mean, I have something on my computer, but. Well, you didn't share it with me. No, because it's my own thing. I like having my own little stuff. What the fuck is that supposed to mean? I don't know what that means. <laughs> Hold on, let me get the old computer here. Uh, who would you have as like a, like a runner-up MVP beyond Bill Murray? I, I did write somebody else, as I always do. Who would your, your second MVP of the movie be? I think um, it's pretty easy. I really liked Kate Blanchett in this. I mean, Not who I would have. But. Well, I didn't even realize it was Kate Blanchett at first. Like, that first scene on the beach, which I also really liked that scene with the jellyfish. And yes, that scene's very Ned, good. Ned speaks up, and then she corrects them, and then they're like, we can we can, we can, can dub that in, right? Like, yeah. um, I liked that. 
um, her introduction scene. I didn't realize it was her until a little bit in, and I'm like, wow. I like, mean, she's she does look totally different in every movie you ever fucking see. Yeah, her she in really does. But uh, we just watch Don't Look Up, and she's unrecognizable. Different, in that, yeah, yeah. So, um, I liked her performance in it. I thought um, Willem Dafoe also did a really great job. Willem I, Willem Dafoe was mine. I yeah, I think he did a really great job at just being like that, like weird, crazy German guy, <laughs> like. But he he brought a lot to it and a lot of like the tension and all of that. He's very very genuine, but also very funny and one of the only people that can steal laughs away from Bill Murray in this movie. Yeah, like his just like childlike reaction to some things. And like when he was like, like when on the side of the helicopter, he's like, "It really meant a lot to me yeah. that you put me on the on the Emily." He's like, "Yeah, it's my pleasure." He's like. No. no, really. No, really. <laughs> like, well, and even like his reactions with Owen Wilson, like later, like like before, where like he like slaps is, him in the face, intimidates Owen Wilson, kind of seems like a badass, and Owen Wilson gets him back, and he's like, "What'd you do that for?" Like he's so like hurt and upset, like what happened? Um, and then when he steps forward and uh, oh for, no, like, no, 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 start it over, start yeah, it over. Sorry, I messed it up. Start it over. <laughs> I didn't understand. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, he, I really, really liked good. that. Uh, the fourth MVP, Bill Murray, was for Saint Vincent, a movie I totally forgot existed, and we watched. That I had actually seen multiple times, yes, which well, I enjoyed. Well, I'm glad you liked it. I mean, I liked it too, but... Um, a rare on this uh, show. Yeah. Uh, LVP. Who do you have for LVP in this movie? I only have one person, so I'm I, curious to see who you That's interesting. Um, there's a lot of inconsequential people in mm-hmm. this. And, this is a large cast, and yes. that typically happens. It's a great cast. Great well, cast, awesome but you cast. have like... People, like, you have, like, the pirates who, like, are in one scene and, like, don't really do much of anything. You have the interns, which, you know, one of them is named as something because barely. of the career that they have yeah, barely. after this. Um, so, I would say... <laughs> they, get, they almost get killed by pirates. I'm not fucking you, but I can't pass you. You're getting an incomplete. <laughs> this is great. But, um, like, Matthew Gruber whatever... McGruber, what what's his name? The guy who plays the intern that gets shot? No, I, that gets the thing on his um the knife in his shoulder. Oh yeah, yeah sorry, yeah, yeah. He's in. He was in like he's been in a ton of stuff. A ton of stuff yeah. after this, Matthew. I don't fucking know. He's not your LVP, is he? Gruber something. I thought he was just inconsequential. Oh no, but it's, he can be inconsequential and get it. Yeah. He does. He does fine with what he does. Sure. Yeah, he screams really well. Um. I wasn't sure what the point of, like, Osiri was as a character, so I don't know if I would hold that against Michael Michael Gambon. Gambon. I think he's fine. I'm not a big Michael Gambon fan. Um, I I don't know. I I know there's a lot of people that kind of complain about his interpretation of Dumbledore. Oh, no, yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. He's a calm man who doesn't yell at Harry Potter about putting his name in the Goblet of Fire. Because he actually knows Harry wouldn't sure. do that. This, we're not getting into this. Uh, yeah, it's kind of an unnecessary we character. Will. But I think it is fine oh, enough. We will. My LVP is Angelica Houston. Really? Yes. Um, I don't know if I agree with that. I can't differentiate what the intent is versus what her performance is. But she just is so lifeless and bored and stone-faced the entire time. So those scenes where it's the two of them going back and forth are actually my biggest complaint about the movie because I don't 
know what we're supposed to get off off of them. Because all these struggles we talked about, sure, their relationship is one, but I don't feel like she's adding or giving any nuance or anything to it for me to make it feel. So when she does come back, I'm like, okay, yeah, she's back. Cool. And then you see her actually, you know, setting things into motion, but she's still doing them in a very like monotonous and dry way. Like she's just smoking her cigarette. Yeah. And like, maybe that's the character or maybe that's just somebody that doesn't like kind of get like what Wes Anderson was going for with that character. So even in like in the final scene where like they find the Jaguar shark, everyone's got these like amazing looks on her faces and it feels like she's struggling to like not smirk, but like make a face of realization or be there for Steve. She was the only person that I had. Um, cause everybody's everybody else, I think does a good job with what they're given. Um, she'd be my only my only person. Okay, I mean that's better than my Matthew McGruber um, person. So uh, Michael Gambon is a little interesting. I just didn't see the necessity of the character. I guess it has to have like that external conflict of like. You gotta find the funding. You gotta do this. Yeah, it's, it's another obstacle for Steve to overcome. Right, but I didn't. I didn't really. I think it was more so the plot point, not connected. his performance. Sure. That that would be okay. my argument versus the two is okay. I. I think it'd be that plot point versus him versus. I think the angelic. I think the, the. Evelyn or Madeline. I don't know why I'm struggling with names tonight. Her name. Yeah. Evelyn, um, isn't it? Eleanor, Eleanor. sorry, Eleanor, Christ. Um, the scenes with Eleanor, I think, would have hit harder if it was a better chemistry and a better performance. So that's so we're going to go with Angelica Houston. Sure. Who is normally great. Oh, yeah. But in this, not, not so much. Um... Trying to think what else I was going to mention. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we pretty much nailed it. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I I was worried this was going to be a big a big to do for me pitching you as to why this movie works and is funny, but it, it wasn't thankfully. <sighs> anyway, I can help out, man. <laughs> Anything else in the life aquatic with Steve Zizou? No, I'm glad. Uh, thanks for thanks for uh, randomly choosing this movie from our Pick It Off series. Because... Well, I, I plugged the numbers in, and it didn't move. So I was like, all right, well, it's number one. So I'm going to have you do it this time, just so you know I'm not cheating when we draw it here oh, in, yeah, in a good. few minutes. Oh, yeah, good. That was going to be my next point. Yeah. Um, um, no, so thank you for that. Um, you know, I apologize, because I know I've probably ripped on it and... Probably when I chose You've been dreading this angry, forever. I have been. And probably when I like chose 12 angry men over this, I was, I don't know. I probably was confusing it with Lost in Translation, which I'm not a fan of. Or another Wes Anderson movie that I'm not a fan of. What do you have? You haven't seen? So you have, so Bottle Rocket, which neither one of us have seen. You have Rushmore. You have Royal Tenenbaums. Have you seen Royal Tenenbaums? No, okay. not all of it. Just a, like, we have one Life Aquatic. We have The Darjeeling Limited, which I know you didn't see. No, I didn't see. That. I saw that in theaters. It's good. Then you have Moonrise Kingdom, which I know you haven't seen no. because I haven't seen it. Grand Budapest Hotel, which we haven't seen. I so, just guess I don't like what he looks like, man. 
I don't know. You are so fucking... No, I'm, not, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I obviously am not well-educated on the Wes Anderson genre of movies, as it were. Um, but yeah, I guess I must just be confusing this a lot um, with another movie that I don't particularly like. I think it was enjoyable. Um, and I'm glad I, I'm glad I watched it. It was a nice little... It was beautifully done. I liked the creatures that I saw. His next movie, Asteroid City, is I don't quote, see that. larger than most other Anderson films that are ensemble in nature. Listen to this fucking cast. Oh, God. Tilda Swinton, Bill Murray, Adrian Brody, Tom Hanks, Margot Robbie, Jason Schwartzman, Scarlett Johansson, Brian Cranston, Jeff Goldblum, Hope Davis, Jeffrey Wright, Liev Schreiber, Tony Rivoli, uh, Matt Dillon, Maya Hawke, Fisher Stevens. That is fucking sick. And that's to say, he just did The French Dispatch, which has Benicio Del Toro, Adrian Brody, Tilda Swinton, Leah Sadu, Francis McDormand, Timothy Chalamet, Bill Murray, Jeffrey Wright, Christoph Waltz, Owen Wilson, Ed Norton, Angelica Houston, Jason Schwartzman. Like, it's obvious that people love working for him and working with him. I mean, Bill Murray... He's notorious for not taking calls from people. He doesn't have a fucking agent. Right. But like... If you I want, wish I was that big. I wish I was that's Bill what I aspire Murray to be. Level that I don't need an agent. You just leave me a voicemail. If and I want to call you to back, call you back. Yeah. That's I, awesome. So like when you pair up like kind of the modern director actor combos that are kind of iconic of the past like 20, 25 years. You got Leo and Scorsese, and then, of course, still kind of De Niro De Niro, and Scorsese. That was predating that, but it still kind of happens. But Leo's the more modern one. Um, You have, I know I'm missing other ones, probably. You have, like, Francis McDormand and, like, the Coen brothers to a certain extent. Yeah, yeah, I would say that. Um, You had, had for briefly, you had Paul Thomas Anderson and both Philip Seymour Hoffman and Daniel Day-Lewis. Uh, but like Murray and Wes Anderson's got to be up there. Like has to be. Like Bill Murray's career had this whole second and third act because of these movies. Like you figure when like he does Rushmore, you know, sure he's doing you know things like Kingpin and so is like successful. Right, but it's kind but, of the 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 down yeah. the downward and he crime found, of his like Ghostbusters yeah, 80s he comedies found mainstream yeah, work he yeah. found this lame and like indie art comedy that allowed him to get into dramatic work and allowed him to be a academy award nominated actor um and still pop up in in bigger things but he always but also kind of become even more of a cult icon and like mythical figure than he is i think mm-hmm. that his mystique and his his um what's the uh, his gravitas that he kind of holds in these movies i think that's the reason why i like these movies because in other ones he feels like more special like even in rushmore he's in most of rushmore but in some of the other wes anderson movies he's not in them like a lot he's mm-hmm. kind of like this like this figure in them this movie is him like, he's in almost every fucking scene. It's the most normal that he is in it. But, but that still goes without saying that he's not extraordinary in it. It's just you get more Bill Murray in it. So you get the combination, like I said earlier, of Wes Anderson, Oddball Murray, and you get 
fucking glimpses of fucking Peter Venkman and Phil Connors and, you know, mm. all that. So, uh, yeah, I, I can't say enough about it. Let's score it. Um, I don't remember how we do this for the pick'em, so I'll go first. It's close for me. Uh, there are a lot more things wrong with it after watching it for the first time in several years. Like I said, the kind of the back and forth or like some of the long in the tooth stuff related to Ned and the and Kate Blanchett and Steve as as like a three way you know love Ooh. thing. Um, and then also like going back and forth on the the father son thing while necessary you know makes it a little bit difficult to to handle. But that said, between music and script and design and performances, I love it. This was one of my favorite movies for a very, very long time. Um, and just naturally over the course of not watching it as much as other ones, kind of fell back. Sure. I'm going to give it a nine. Oh, wow. I'm going to give it an eight. Oh, okay. I did really like it. I was engaged in it, and I didn't fall asleep this time. Um yeah, I dug it for a lot of the same reasons that you said. I think the cast is phenomenal. Um, I think it's it's well done. The story overall is very relatable yes. in terms of like finding family and like what you make of it, um, and like the importance of doing it at different times, like reeling from tragedy and things like that. So I thought it handled a lot of those things really well. I enjoyed it. Beautiful. So our schedule is a little over, all over the place. So an eight and a half total for yes, eight and a half Life total Aquatic. for Life Aquatic. This movie, uh, we'll watch this movie the first week of March. We have a few weeks before we'll be watching the next movie. But Samantha, if you will plug in to the random number generator, uh, I got to calculate. Uh, two through one hundred and nine is how we'll do it because I don't feel like two. Through 109. 109. From the can't pick list, what our next movie we'll be picking off of it is? 20. 20, okay. So, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 9, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, Thing. It is uh, widely regarded in many circles as the best the film thing. ever made. Uh, we'll be watching. I am so uncouth. You Why am so... I on a movie pod? I have no fucking idea. It drives me crazy. We'll be watching Vertigo. Why did you make me the co-host of this podcast? I just didn't want you to get fucking mad that I was doing things with other people. Let me double check my math here. Yes, correct. Vertigo. I meant like I would, was going to do a movie podcast, but I wanted to do it with you and I wanted to watch our movies and make you feel like you're around and belongs and then here we are. That's very sweet and very <laughs> mean at the same time. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. So Vertigo is coming up. You give me Vertigo. Next week will be our random movie, My Blueberry Nights. Both of us watching it for the first time. Then we have our... Come on, there better be some Nora Jones music in that movie. I'll be real upset if there's not. No, it'll probably be Natalie Portman singing. <laughs> it's like, great. Um, Nora Jones is in it. I know, but I'm acting. saying, so is Natalie Portman. I don't want to hear her sing. Natalie Portman will be singing and Nora Jones will be acting. Wonderful. Um, then our movie that was purchased, the first of... Several. Six movies over the next six months 
that we're going to be watching that was purchased for us by people who are supposedly our friends and family. By a former and future guest of the show, Carly Coffee. We'll be watching The Frighteners, Peter Jackson's mid 90s uh, horror comedy. Then for our anniversary, we'll be watching Grindhouse. No, I forgot. The first movie we watched uh, in theater together. (laughs) And then uh, we'll have our guests on the show, The Widdens. Uh, Michael and Brittany Widden will be joining us for the month of April. And we have not. They they we are pending we are pending their yet. list. They are working on it. Widden mentioned uh, before we recorded Potswalk last week that they are working on the list. We'll be getting that very very soon. Uh, but for now, thank you for listening to this week's episode of Married with the Movies. We encourage you as always go to arcadeaudio.net for this podcast and the others in our network of shows. Shows rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. As I mentioned earlier, patreoncom audio for bonus content. Uh, the other podcast that I'm on right now is going to be wrapping up its limited run this week with 2022 Royal Rumble Picks. That show is Podswoggle, a wrestling podcast with entertainment. If you like wrestling, check out my podbloggle, arcadeaudio.net slash podbloggle, where I'm going through uh, every professional wrestling pay-per-view from the beginning of time. If you tell me. This week's episode is In Your House 5 from December 1995. Enough! It is, still in 95. it is the penultimate wrestling pay-per-view from the year 1995. Uh, you can also find me at your host, Mullet 38 on Instagram, in case I didn't mention it before. Facebook.com slash MarriedMovies at MarriedWMovies on Twitter. MarriedWMovies at gmail.com. Let's know what you think of the show. Samantha? At Jam with your Sam on social media. Where you'll find nothing. No, you'll find some stuff. Just not... I mean, don't... Put your like alerts on because it, it I don't do like so you an can die of a heart thing. attack when she actually posts what? something. Yeah, you know how sometimes you get those things from Instagram. This person just posted for the, the first, first time, time in a while. while. This person just posted for the first time in a Notif- year and a half. Notification just says, "Holy fucking shit, Samantha posted." It's like that onion article about the moon. <laughs> yeah, I like to keep things interesting. That's one word for it. For mullet. This is mullet. This, what? For mullet. This is mullet. Signing out for this week's episode of Married with Movies. We'll catch you next time on our couch. Slash the movies. No, it messed me up because you were talking and I like interrupted you. Yeah, I thought you had it down and it sounded like you didn't, so. No, no, that was before. Huh? What? Are you just going to stare at me or are you going to hit stop on the recording? I was listening to the, the clock ticking. It made me feel like I was at my grandparents' house. That a very loud clock that ticked in the living room. Oh, I thought it stopped. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> that was the longest second of my life. I didn't hear it tick. Muitas vezes o coração não consegue compreender o que a mente não faz questão. Nem tem forças para obedecer. Quantos sonhos já destruí. Deixei escapar das mãos Se o futuro assim permitir Não pretendo viver em vão Meu amor, não estamos sós Tem um mundo a esperar por nós Thank you for playing Arcade Audio. Play more at arcadeaudio.net.